1: There's no place to escape to this is the last on the left. <laughs> Side stories. Yeah, your
0: glaze. That's when the cannibalism started. Side, Side stories. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes.
1: There it is. Clapped. clapped in, buddy. I'm like a I'm like a big pink seal. Yeah, I think aren't seals. No, seals are gray. Okay, why are you so pink? <laughs>
0: that's my seals here we go
1: huh L- look at that that's and they said seal they must you know sometimes you get the question like hey, man after 10 years of doing the show guys do you ever run out of content and then henry Zabrowski, just right off of that bald and dumb of yours says you know what no Today I'm, I'm gonna, today, I'm a seal today. I'm a seal today. <laughs> I was reading, uh, again, I keep dropping this
0: because it's fun to do, because I'm rereading Prometheus Rising by Robert Anton Wilson, and he said a really good way to sort of get back to analyzing the true animal nature of humankind. Sure. It's go to the zoo. Mm-hmm. He, he actually, the way he, he does recommend it, he says, like, s- smoke it up, uh-huh. go to the zoo, In the or book watch some...
1: Per- In the book, Prometheus Rising, he says, smoke a doobie and go to the zoo.
0: Smoke weed if that's what you will do, essentially, if that's what you like. And he said, either go watch nature documentaries or go to the zoo and see how animals behave and then see how you can then compare that to how humans behave. But
1: that's like comparing. That's like trying to analyze how humans behave by going to solitary confinement, going to death row and being like, huh. This is what people do when they're sad and Actually, locked up and away from their family. You bring up
0: a very good point. Because it's true that is a good way to see unadulterated humankind. Because we no, have all not. these helpers. We have all these helpers. I got my my Google Maps.
1: Oh my. I got goodness.
0: my I got my shoes with the air cushions in them.
1: Uh-huh, cuz you're you so athletic. These,
0: look at me. I that know. helps me jump. <laughs> it helps know. me jump. Yes. And so if you take these tools away from me, what kind of my what kind of ape am I then? What kind of ape would I be able to, what kind of apes could I fight and beat? And so I go and I watch the seals on the TV. Of course, I didn't go to the zoo. I hate the zoo. I find it very depressing. It is, it is. I I watch it at home. The seals, they got made, man. They got the food right in front of them. It's in the ocean.
1: It is all around.
0: They roll over onto their seal wives. I don't know. And their instincts tell them to give it.
1: All right. Well, this and they're is chasing pelicans. Uh huh. Well, they have quite a life. This is <laughs> side stories. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> Big <laughs> seal energy. <today>. <laughs> Big, <laughs> it's the, the single dumbest thing that's ever happened. Uh, this is this is side stories. I am uh, Benjamin Grant Kissel reporting live from NPR studios, and we have Seal Boy Henry Zebrowski, evidently. Because he watched it. Uh, am I
0: not a man?
1: Well, you're a seal, so that's oh, why.
0: But I learned how to use the blade.
1: Honestly, <laughs> if seals learn how to use knives, we're all done. Then you didn't whole-
0: see me stabbing at Kissel on the Skype screen with my screwdriver.
1: No, I don't know why all of a sudden we started recording and uh, the maybe the past maybe four or five episodes you've decided to not just hold a screwdriver but clench it as if there's a home invasion and this is the only line of defense that you have by your bed.
0: This is a thing I learned from Marcus. I'm going to put this on Marcus. Really? Because Marcus for years when he was producing the show... Whether it was doing roundtable or Mm -hmm. whether it was doing last podcast, he always had various knives. Mostly knives, yeah. Just around because it's fun because as you're talking, huh? Right. I fucking can thrust a knife at somebody. Also, you never know when somebody's going to fucking come behind me. My back is to the door in the studio, which I actually think I need to change. You need to flip this all around so I can be looking at the door and put a little porthole in all of the sound walls here so Uh I can see at the door just in case anybody tries to come at me and assassinate me.
1: Well, I don't think you're really on uh, the—I don't think you're a Kennedy— you know, maybe maybe someone might be upset with you, but I don't think it's going to lead them to assassinate the, assassinate you, although you never know. But you are staring at the window, which is uh, probably safer to be staring at the window because if it is an invasion, they're coming through that way, not coming through the front door. Because they probably assume you're Polish and you're armed. Uh, they, and you uh, are.
0: Assumed correct. Assumed yes. correct. I I wonder about the, about these types of things because think about how powerful I would be as a martyr.
1: Mm-hmm. But I wonder to for what? Right. So, you know, why did Henry mention seals? Well, we do want to do just a, just a small update because on last week's episode, by the way, speaking of babies as well, I hung out with a lot of babies and I'll talk, I'll talk about my Minneapolis experience throughout the episode. But There's too many
0: babies. When I'm surrounded Ooh. by many babies, I get very, very concerned because I feel like it makes my sperm
1: thicker. It could like
0: it makes my sperms jump higher.
1: Well, you have to be nice. You have to sort of speak in like a higher voice, like baby. Like, how's you doing, baby? And then well, that's every what I did with Wendy. Yeah, well, it's very similar. I speak. I speak to babies the exact same way I speak to Puffin. As a matter of fact, I attributed like the movie "Look Who's Talking." I attributed Puffin's voice to all of the human babies as well, um, because I just think anything that can't speak sounds super cute. Yeah, but you're not. You're not a character actor like me. No, no. As a character do-
0: actor, you'd come up with little voices like, hey, my name's Tommy. Like, that's one baby's name, and another baby is
1: going like,
0: oh, buongiorno, call bene.
1: See, character acting. Well, I don't want to make them, you know, racist archetypes of, of a, an Italian, but yeah. I,
0: that's not a racist archetype
1: of Italian. <laughs> if, you, if you've been to Italy, we could see <laughs> the delta where it comes from, it is um, true. very true. So, anyway, we talked about that Russian whale uh, last week on the episode, and it turns out, and we then we mentioned the U.S. using dolphins to go find mines and stuff. And evidently, Henry, you'll be happy to know the dolphins don't find the mine by simply exploding the mine. That sniffer- makes me sad.
0: I, Why well, you say it. I'm not disappointed by that. I'm not. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm disappointed by that. I'm not saddened. I'm not. Not, no, the, not saddened by the, that. The, I'm that, saying the dolphins- metal way. To no. send the dolphins at the mines.
1: No, the dolphins should live. They're doing America's work. They're soldiers. They all deserve little purple hearts. Although I think Soldiers are meant to die, aren't they? No, soldiers are meant to go kill and then come back alive and get hugs from people on a boardwalk. I don't know. Anyway, the U.S. Navy Marine Mammal Program, NMMP, is a program administered by the U.S. Navy, which studies military use of marine animals. And they have used the bottlenose dolphin, dolphin and a series of other kinds of dolphin. Sea lions as well, Henry. You'll be happy to <laughs> know the, the California sea lion uh, they're trained animals to perform tasks such as ship and harbor protection, mine detection and clearance, and equipment recovery. The program is based in San Diego, where the animals are housed and trained. And they that were in combat zones like the Vietnam War and the Iraq War. So thank you for your service, dolphins and sea lions. Not an easy task. Not something easy to do.
0: I see how you're willing to butter up the dolphins, but not robots. because you're. But what happens if dolphins evolve... To come at us anyway.
1: The dolphins aren't going to evolve to come at us. And if that happens, it's going to be millions of years from now and we're all going to be gone. And there's not so, even, we're not going to have an offspring. So it's true. It's true.
0: No, I mean, Wendy Four will have to deal with the coming onslaught of these ones. I clone Wendy. But so, yeah. so they, the dolphins go down, and they pick things up that soldiers drop, and then they protect these ships by essentially, I mean, it sounds like they're still just like get, they get exploded by torpedoes. Instead of the ship.
1: They might. I don't think it's a... I think it is a thankless job. I don't think it's a safe job for these dolphins. But nonetheless, I think the dolphin versus dolphin war is really cool. And I'm happy that we have some dolphins on our side fighting the good fight. I feel like there should be
0: more R-rated animal-only movies. And, and I'm not just That's talking true. about like having sex agree. scenes in it. But, no, like, no sex scenes! But a movie that it's like dolphins versus chimps, Yeah, right? The yeah. first dolphin with thumbs, like you send a movie after the, the nuclear apocalypse that destroys all like sentient humankind. Right. But then you have a race of like apes that are slowly gaining consciousness, like they're coming online to reformate the new human race. All right. But you got dolphins that are also now because of the... The, uh, because of either like the raining down of some kind of like protein matters or something kind of into the ocean from the mass devastation, their their world is allowed to grow exponentially underneath the water. So their brains, they get smarter and smarter. So eventually dolphins are actually sort of as smart as chimps in this mm. movie. And they can communicate to each other. And then there's a fucking war between the two. Where I like the it. first dolphin figures out how they can create these sort of like water-filled scuba like things that they can sure. wear yeah, on the right. land.
1: Right, right. Yeah. Well, absolutely. And of course, in about, you know, maybe 50 years from now, New York City will be entirely underwater, like the city of Atlantis. And the dolphins are going to say, hey, cool. Wow, we gained a city. But what they don't realize is that means they got to ride the trains. They got to go to work. They got to carry the trains. It's you- not even just
0: going to work. They got to be driving the trains. You got to be driving the trains. Fixing yeah. the
1: rails. And then, yep. wow, what's the
0: L train shutdown going to be like then? Exactly. When it's dolphins on dolphin crime. Exactly. When they have to figure out, and all the dolphins are like, ee, 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 which translates to, like, let the tunnels flood, we can swim. And, be, and then the problem is they're going to get a lot of pushback from a lot of dolphin social justice warriors mm-hmm. that say, dolphins walk now, so we're
1: walking here. We're walking here. Absolutely. I do like that you attributed the Brooklyn accent to the dolphins that no doubt will be residing in the borough of Brooklyn. And I'm sure the the dolphins who are in Queens will sound like the folks of Queens do as well. But the Speaking program- of other movies,
0: though, I have another idea of movies that I want to say on a podcast out loud before because I know someone's You don't think do so-
1: it. you don't think someone's gonna steal this idea? Are you sure you is this idea so primo? That you don't want to share it is that possible?
0: No, I want to put it out okay, there. Okay, all so right. That, they, that our fans, because look at how the the fight, the the response, and the the support I received over the tragedy of losing out the role of Doctor Robotnik to Jim Carrey.
1: Has no one was sad for you. You didn't even aud- you didn't even it audition for it. you. Okay, I Henry- didn't even get a chance to read. Yes. Yeah, that so is you, the problem. I was just I literally was just as close to getting the role as you did. As no, you. you weren't because you, were never, you weren't born to do it. You weren't
0: born to do it. You didn't audition for it. Because they wouldn't let me. They were afraid of opening those doors, No, it's because they? they got Jim Carrey to do it. Jim Carrey. <laughs> sure, yes. He might be some internationally famous comedic mastermind yes. who might be in the middle of a renaissance right now. Sure, whatever, yeah. But is he born with the body that was built to fill those egg-shaped trousers? No. He is a skinny man, and they're trying to erase fat people, which I is sort of what I did to myself. They're not trying
1: to erase fat people. I I, Mike honestly, and Molly is a very, very successful fun. show.
0: It's been off the air for ten years.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I don't actually
0: know, but and I saw Mike in an audition recently. The guy played Mike in an audition, and um, he looked pretty grumpy. Oh, he's feeling grumpy. All right, so here is my movie. I am going to put this out here before it starts, and I want to see people do this. Okay, listen, the story of Chewbacca.
1: Okay. Rest hey, in peace, by boy. the way. We have to R.I.P. Peter che- Mayhew. Yes.
0: Oh, rest in peace, yes. Peter Mayhew. See you on the other side. Tall man. Could have
1: oh, been, yes. been you, Kissel. No, he's seven foot three. Ooh, I could not even. That's good why enough. I didn't get Chewbacca. I haven't gotten Sasquatch. The only roles that Hollywood would theoretically let a man of my girth and size play are still taken by uh, t- taken by normal sized people. Uh, other I than Chewbacca. Put you. Kissel. You've never
0: read the Dune books, but I would definitely put you in a big worm costume with just your head sticking out to play God Emperor of Dune.
1: Well, I do like that I'm a god emperor. That is cool. Other than that, it sounds like the treatment you're going to give to Holden McNeely from uh, Wizard and the Bruiser because you don't like him. So every time you've ever cast him, you make him wear a lot of prosthetics. Something bad. And the role is always like, (laughs) you're the toilet paper boy. And then he has (laughs) to be covered in true human dookie to keep it authentic. And then he says thank you. And then he thanks you for that.
0: This is why I was
1: born to be an executive producer.
0: Mm -hmm. Very little responsibility.
1: But you can pull fun triggers. I thought you were going to say respect for your actors, but okay.
0: No, actors, I respect all actors. Look how much I respect myself.
1: Uh-huh. Oh,
0: God. Um, okay, but listen. Chewbacca, storyline. Okay. Right? It's his whole story. You could see his origin story. No English. What do you he mean? Han Solo. So it's all do you done mean? in Chewie
1: talk. But are there, so then are there subtitles? No. So then how are we supposed to understand what the hell is going on?
0: to the power of storytelling sometimes so, you don't need
1: words you do to though. tell a story no you, you actually, don't no, by do definition images. you do need yes images can tell a story but for the most part you do need words to also tell because that's kind of the whole speak thing
0: this is why people are afraid of my words just like the brave warrior nick de <laughs> People are so afraid of my truths where it's just like because the idea is that you could have oh Chewbacca and his mom, right? It starts with going ah, 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 and them together, like as kids, training a warrior. Maybe he loses his dad. I'm sure and, he does. And like like his dad like falls off a a a, a thing or it's like they have a game I, I think Wookiees work in a tribe. I'm not really certain. But I it's don't like know. it takes place on that planet and he loses his dad and then Chewbacca has mm-hmm. to come forward and be the new warrior of his town. Maybe they all come and get like raped by a bunch of Ewoks, and then that's where it starts. I don't know if that's, I I don't know. I mean, that might be a
1: deleted scene there. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, they would kind of like a story arc where Chewbacca fully shaves his body, he's off in mainstream America, he's just trying to live a good corporate (laughs) life, and he's like, and they're like, Aren't you a Wookiee? Like, (laughs) <laughs> I don't That's know what good. they sound like, um, and good. then they would be like, and he'd be like, I guess not." He kind of looks like a Wookiee, talks like a Wookiee, but he's fully hairless. Um, and then he gets a phone call back from the family saying that they are under attack by the Ewoks. He regrows his hair and reclaims his heritage as head of the Wookiee people. Or I think it's animals. a great. That I think is a great like third movie. Yeah, because then okay. you could
0: do sort of like the Star Trek under, not undiscovered country, but I forgot what it was. The Search for Spock. We kind of have like a time machine thing going on where he gets he deals with like you have an old alter, alternative timeline where he ends up in modern America. You know who that also could obviously this sounds like a Benedict Cumberbatch role.
1: It could wow you don't because
0: he's got that horrible British Adam's apple and the oh, <laughs> his weak chin his fucking tiny weird little eyeballs.
1: Well, he's very talented, ben, Benedict <laughs> that's, Cumberbatch.
0: But that's how talented you have to be. You have to be so talented to get over. Your weasel eyes and yeah. the fact that you have come in your name—that's yes. Yeah. how talented he is.
1: Yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch. Be it does sound like Benedict Cumberbatch. It does sound like a brunch. It sounds like something you would order off a menu that at comes an erotic with like,
0: breakfast restaurant. Yes, yeah.
1: that comes with like unlimited mimosas. You'd be like, "I'll have the the uh, Cumberbatch, please. The Benedict Cumberbatch." But um, you well, have I to that's...
0: drink the shot glass full of cum in order to get the bottomless mimosas.
1: Well, I mean, it's like a good. I
0: love a prank restaurant.
1: Cheaper than pain. I don't know why they. I mean, they wouldn't be turning a profit, but I guess the chef would be laughing profusely, like he's a uh, Sesame Street character or something. I think so. Um,
0: but you, did you see the Ted Bundy movie, the new Ted Bundy movie? I feel like we should maybe talk about it briefly because so many people have asked us what our opinion is yeah, on it. Yeah,
1: let's do it. Just back, just back briefly when it comes to the whales. You know what, though, Henry, it was controversial. There were some groups that said they don't want the animals to be part of the military, and uh, they only want the animals to be used in non-combat roles, such as mind detection. And the Navy has said, we have a lot of oversight and we're we're making sure the animals are treated with dignity and respect. So we'll say Anyway. The they Ted volunteered. Bun- they didn't. They can't even lift their thumb up they to say, oh, I'll do they it. They know what they were getting into. I don't know. All right. The Ted Bundy movie out on Netflix. It's called Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil and Vile, directed by Joe Bellinger. Can I just say this? right away the name what do you think about the name just start with that because i was like isn't it isn't it a bit much oh yeah why not why not just like the Bundy movie, or like Ted,
0: because it could it could have just been Ted. From the content of the movie, it definitely it definitely could have just been Ted. Now, it's because right. Ted Bundy played by Zac Efron, and I want to say one of the best roles of his career. He is fantastic. He does do a really good job. He does. He does a really good job. He transforms himself really well. He does. Got he does have some opportunities to show ranges of the emotions of Ted Bundy. I think that the one thing that Zac Efron did, the one new thing this movie brought to the conversation about Teb Bundy is I think it truly... Showcased what the word glib means when it comes to psychopaths and people mm. like Ted Bundy where Zach Efron does that thing where he is everybody's favorite guy and he automatically and the thing that obnoxious fuckboys do which is he assumes as well that he is everybody's favorite guy right. and so he does a really good job of showcasing those emotions what do I think about the t- title of the movie? For a movie called "Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil and Vile," Mm -hmm. it is uh, uh, it is heavily uh, missing wicked, evil, or vile things in the movie.
1: Well, that was my only issue with it, and we we would love to speak with the director or anyone involved. Absolutely, yeah. You know, so this is not to not to it whatsoever. Obviously, they kind of went with a different they went with a different sort of track here. But the interesting thing is, it was it was more of a romance. So the well, woman that's that the, very the woman that played uh, his uh, you know <laughs> lover there. First of all, she looks very like she's beautiful. She looks a little bit like a Joni Mitchell. You know, yes. remember Joni Mitchell, Coyote, very famous. So she was just gorgeous. But the weird thing was, half of the movie is this woman pining over Bundy, and at no point did they mention that Ted Bundy has had sex with severed heads. Of women, like why not? That was my only issue. I was like, just don't make him so cute. Because if you are ignorant to the story, you really would come away with being like, maybe he was innocent, and he was not. I promise you that innocent. I, I do believe
0: that the movie has a specific, it has a specific aim in mind, which is. Joe Berlinger is a documentarian. He made the the documentary the Ted Bundy conversation tapes and things that had just come out of Netflix. Yes. He made Paradise Lost. Yes. He uh has a keen eye on on uh, true crime and how to portray it and the, the weave these stories. I think he was trying to tell a story from a different perspective. About Ted he Bundy. was, I believe he was trying to tell the story of what if we did know nothing and you only heard from other sources about what Ted Bundy did, and you're mm. a you are someone that maybe loved this person and you are hearing all of this for inf- crazy information that does not sound like the man that you knew. But right? didn't and it that, though?
1: Didn't it sound like the
0: man yes. that she knew? I mean I think that come I mean, on. Well, like, you, the woman obviously it was it was heavily massaged
1: yes, in this movie. It, this was this was sort of the Kobe, a Kobe beef of yes. uh of Ted yes. Bundy like lore in the Ted Bundy lore. I loved the best friend who was also from that great show, at least season one of Westworld. The best friend of Ted Bundy's love interest. She was great. Yes. Um she was wonderful. Yeah. The acting really she was, was good. But yeah, you're right. Well, oh, the act
0: the performances are great. Great, for, great and then Poor oh no. Joel Osment. Poor Haley oh Joel Osment no. is just oh put no. into the chubby bearded man's worst position in the world of just being the man who massages the woman whose ex-boyfriend is Ted Bundy. Yes, it's the saddest and- friend zoning ever captured on screen. I know that the word <laughs> really that term was. is now like obviously uh, problematic. People don't enjoy the term anymore, but it's just true. It's just like the dude that just shows up to rub the foot of the woman oh, who's yeah. pining over Ted Bundy.
1: Yes, it. It, it, the term that Henry was floating around there, or sort of skirting around, I think, is cuck, uh, yes, because that yes. seems kind of like it was in the character description for poor Haley Joel Osment. I, you know, I'm not going to malign anybody. Uh, I would love to speak with that with him as well. And technically, he did do a great job. But the entire time I'm watching it, I'm like, man, I would rather just have really bizarre. Like it was. It's not embarrassing, but it is like. It's just hard as a man to just watch your... You have to watch yourself on screen as you're... Just be (laughs) like,
0: you poor fucking bastard, stop doing this. Haley Joel Osment, stop doing this. Stop playing this part. You don't need to play this part, man.
1: No, and so that did bring me out of the movie a little bit, but I am happy he's still working. But Um, what about the great cameo by James Hetfield? James Hetfield also playing a cop once again. Once yes. again, played a police officer. And then, of course, there was another performance by Sheldon. And I know this man. I don't know the man. I know that's an actor. I'm sure he's a nice guy. But anytime I see him, I just scream Sheldon, and it takes me out it's of the Sheldon. movie. Sheldon!
0: Yeah, no, that's my mom. Because my mom calls him Sheldon. She likes it. And she was just like, oh, Henry Thomas, have you seen the new Ted Bundy movie? Sheldon's in it. That was a big like draw for her. She was very excited.
1: But for me, I'm like, why? What is Sheldon doing here? I just like, I can't break my brain out from. I mean, really, it's just more of a, uh, it, it really just shows you the power of the Big Bang Theory is all it is. Technically, he just did too well in one role. But I would—it's a
0: curse and a
1: blessing. It it's is hard it is. because you get you
0: get the what every actor dreams for. It's the never-ending job, like I think yeah. that is actually like a—it's a, a beautiful thing for an actor to get and a, a part that resonates with humankind. But yes. for half of humankind, it makes them want to take a fucking screwdriver and start attacking Uber drivers. Yeah. But that's not your fault. You just no. do the part correctly. I look at me. How many people hate me? Maybe I don't people know. hate my performance. They do. And I, you get into I it. have no idea. That's a part of it. It's, you know, I'm glad you're saying that, Kissel. Yeah. Thank you. But I also, the thing about uh, this movie, too, is that, again, it was made by a documentarian. I think quite a bit of it was him reshooting things that he had footage of to work on as well. Yeah. So it felt a little bit kind of like uh, the man on the moon. But, uh, you know, uh, people that are going to consume any and all serial killer content, you might as well watch it. It's it's better than the Carl Panzram movie starring James Woods.
1: Yes, and well... <laughs> You no, know, it's better
0: than that James, movie. It's James a TV Woods, movie. James Woods,
1: honestly, now you mentioned Nick DePaulo, who is evidently, you know what he's doing, Henry. He's going oh. there. What? Yeah, he said it. He's saying stuff. What? James, uh, James Woods and Nick DiPaolo have to get together for the worst buddy comedy movie <laughs> of all time. It won't <laughs> it be airing called- anywhere uh, except for maybe like C or like conservative TV or whatever. Um, but uh, they, I mean, they'll just blame you know political correctness for that. But it could be the next Ford Fairlane of our time, the uh, the Andrew I mean, honestly, Dice Clay movie. Technically, really that
0: is the that is the movie drags across concrete. That is yes. that is that what that is. But um, it's
1: interesting though with the with the director being the director of Paradise Lost. Paradise Lost, they show some pretty sick images of the children. Obviously, the murder scene. So I was expecting when I heard that he was doing it. I was expecting. A little bit more uh, blood and guts, and really just not because I'm a, not because I'm like, oh yeah, let me see it, because that's the story. That's like the but true also, story. This is my problem, right? This is the
0: thing with you fictionalize any of these stories, right? Where in my brain, because my horror boy. Inside of me is like fucking kill, 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 kill. Give me the kills, give me the kills. Like the guys that like my, my horror movie side, but then the real, the my, my rational brain comes in and says, "Being like, these are real victims. Well, I don't want you to will- see the of the, uh, the uh, massacre of the of these real victims. I don't need to see this." And then that's the problem when you're making a movie about it. Where on some level, if it was just about a fictional serial killer, the first thing I would be saying,
1: I I would be screaming is no kills. But the thing like is, Henry, going- this is this is what we talk about, and this is why on last podcast on the left, we go there in the gory details, because then that doesn't make Ted Bundy so cute. The only thing that was scary about the movie is the fact that we have such a cornucopia of knowledge of this man's crime, so you can watch it and be like, Man, this is it's it's spooky in my own brain because I know what he's done. But I think they made him look, if you are just a novice in true crime, they made Ted Bundy look a little bit too cutesy-wootsy. And I, I forget the guy who played the judge. Oh, uh, uh, John Melkovich. He did a great job as well. It's just the he whole great thing job. was just... But you know that was that was at least true, as you recall from the Ted Bundy tapes, where the judge literally was like, "It would have been an honor to to work with you if you were a lawyer." What a waste, all your talent. So the judge was kind of sucking Ted's D a little bit. So that wasn't totally inaccurate, but anyway. I I will say at least this movie posits him as the villain. My
0: uh, Natalie and I like we're like we like watching the beginning of different like movie cycles. Like we watch we love to watch franchises from the top to bottom. So we ended up watching Psycho Psycho. Two and Psycho Three, and if you watch Psycho Two, Psycho Two makes Norman Bates the hero of the story. They basically say like feel bad. They posit like feel bad for Norman Bates. He could never control his his inner impulses, and then blames the head of the victims. It's basically the mother of one of the, the the sister of uh. The, his first victim and Psycho, who's in the original Psycho, she plays like this woman who's gone mad trying to um, get Norman Bates to go back into jail. Because the whole thing is that mm. he's been released from a mental institution and he's oh. get, he gets to go right back to the motel. Like he doesn't have to go to a halfway house. Huh. He doesn't have to do a work release program. He's literally just like, here you go, right back to the senior crimes. And he's just well, like, I sure hope I don't do any more crimes. And the cops are like, <laughs> us too, Mr. Bates. All right, see you soon.
1: Just like get in a car and drive off. I mean, to be fair, if you do live in a hotel, it is kind of like living in a halfway house. And it also is kind of like work release, all wrapped up into one. So maybe the hotel is the only place that he he's, that he could have gone. He's got to clean the rooms. He's got to change the soap. He's got to make sure there's hand lotion uh, and body lotion in every room because people go in there and immediately start doing horrible things to their own body uh, using said lotion. Um, so you know, maybe that was it. They kind of jigsawed it a little bit. They made him a hero, which is kind of strange. If
0: I'm not supposed to be using this lotion to jerk off, what am I supposed to be using it for?
1: I think you're supposed. I I don't know. I think you're supposed to. I, I don't it's so know. Heavily run on perfumed.
0: Your feet. Do people just cover the whole bodies with the actual body lotion?
1: I think you would break out in hives, but you could, I suppose, theoretically. Yeah, why not? I guess. It's so thick. Well, let's do... It is a little bit. So that's just a little bit. Uh, Ted, I mean, check out the Ted Bundy uh, movie on Netflix. Why not? If you know anyone, uh, if you know the director or anything, have him get a hold of us, and we would love to speak with him. Um, All right. Well, let's go into uh, a news story here. I know Henry's got a couple of tales he wants to tell, but I'm going to start with this one because you know what I did this weekend, Henry? What? I hung out with children. And Ugh. children are fun. I watched my, all of my friends from college have kids. I was around five kids all day. But there's uh, a bunch of adults there, right? Yeah! Oh, yeah, buddy! It was all adults. Yes, they um, didn't
0: just give you kids to no. go just like hang out with for the day while you no. just sat and
1: you're like, "We're gonna play a fun game, kids. It's called Bring Uncle Ben a Bud Light." <laughs> <laughs>
0: you're right over there, you're learning how to be a father. No, that's a, but that's what my dad used to do.
1: I did have about four or five Bud Lights, and by like five Bud Lights, I was like, "I really start. I'm I'm starting to get these kids. I think did they're I really something." There was
0: a time when my dad used to have poker games at the house, and then he would have me go before my dad quit drinking, and the very few times he ever hung out in my own home uh, when he wasn't at the bar, I would go, um, and I would get the Bud, I would get Bud lights for all his friends, and I'd go and I'd get all the Buds out, and I'd give everybody one like as a little waiter, and then one time huh. I came out with it on my head, and I did a little dance, and the screw and they're all laughing and shit, and I remember my dad being like, you're just like your old
1: man. There it just, like, is. That was the
0: only time I ever felt this pride until now. That that I'm putting in the pool and in, the, in the house.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, honestly, if you do want your kid to grow up to be an actor, train him how to be a waiter. That's what <laughs> I say, because believe it or not, 90 percent of being an actor is waiting tables. Live right from your blade.: Live right from your.: grave. All right, so this is just a little tale here out of Canada. And by the way, we are we're going to you. Vancouver. Our boys up north, please. We're coming to you, Vancouver. We're coming, our guys and gals up there. So get those tickets. We can't wait to see all you. So let's go. This is from the Toronto Sun crazy crazy story alleged cannibal girl she's only 12 years old she tells classmates what brains taste like a purported 12 year old cannibal who joined the feast of human flesh and this is where this news article kind of loses me a little bit with her 22 year old quote boyfriend i'm gonna say with a 22 year old pedophile because yeah, she yeah, yeah, is yeah. 12 years old and he is 22. I don't uh, think
0: you can call that boyfriend girl. No, pedophile.
1: I don't think so either. Uh she shocked fellow students by talking about what uh, brains took like uh, tastes like. Her name is Valeria. Uh, She is a Russian cannibal, the pedophile cannibal who groomed her. His name is Arkady Zevrov. He died in prison earlier this year before facing justice for cannibalism and raping a 12-year-old victim. Now, furious parents are demanding Valeria Valeria be booted from the school after she allegedly, quote, told classmates how she cooked and ate human flesh and other body parts. I don't know. (laughs) Um, All
0: right. So let me get this straight. So she participated in an event with her her captor. Yeah, captor, not boy sure. Kid. Sure. And so he murdered and cannibalized a woman, Ye- and then yes. she sat, and then she joined in on the family style dinner.
1: Of the body? It seems that way. So the girl, uh, according to uh, cops, she was an active participant in the murders and cannibalism. She even confessed to cops that she, quote, cooked the heart of one of their victims. She allegedly told them the taste was, quote, too sweet, but the brains turned out to be much worse more tasty. Whoa. Instead of a trial in prison, she was sent to an orphanage. Uh, this is one parent that Yeah, has, that'll fix her. Yeah, I do. Like, yeah, what's a place where someone who's been abused and who's eaten brain should go? What about that abuse factory down the street <laughs> we call an orphanage here in Mother Russia? Um, so this is according to one of the parents of another child. She, she says, no one would have known her identity, but for the fact that after a month at this school with our children, she started telling them details of what happened. She told ...told them about the taste of human brains, which also makes me wonder, you got a 12-year-old, and I understand, she's innocent in many ways in all this, she's still just a baby, but if you are sending a 12-year-old who has a taste for human flesh into another elementary school... Don't you think you might just shoot an email out to the parents just being like, yo, if, if your friend, if your, if your kid starts hanging out with Valeria, she could be very nice. We don't know. But she does have a small history of eating human brains. Like, don't you think a parent would want to know that before the next big sleepover?
0: I never want to dampen the imagination of a child. So on some level, if it were not to be true... She could be the next Anne Rice. She can be whatever she wants. If she didn't actually participate in a murder and cannibalism act, then technically that's just short fiction. And she should be lauded for it. Yes, it might be a bit rude. It might be a bit inappropriate for class, which is how I was always treated. When I would say something inappropriate for class or write something that was a little too disgusting for class. I I remember I had to show... um, I had to show my work. We used to do these big writing prompts and, mm. and, and, and as a little kid, and a part of it that you'd be graded upon about how descriptive you could be. Right, so right. I, I told the class that this story was true, and it was a story where I um, rubbed lotion all over my grandmother's back and feet. And so I wrote this long story about, like, ta- talk about how a slippery could, the lotion
1: could, was. You could talk about anything. Yeah, You could have written about anything. Like, man, this is a story about how in fifth grade, I made a basketball shot that sent us uh, into the playoffs. Yeah, if I was some kind of loser,
0: sure. Uh But I was very, I was much more, um, again, wild imagination, Mm. filled with inspiration. I go out there, I thought it was fun, and I ended up getting a really high score, but then I had to have a meeting with my parents about the content of what I was writing about because mm. they, they said that uh, they're like, well, it was very descriptive. That
1: was, the said whole it point was very of the exercise, descriptive exercise though.
0: That's what I was saying. And so I talked about how coarse the lumps on my grandmother's body were. <sighs> and and like and how like she'd give me a little quarter. And I don't think it was real or I don't think it was real. But I remember mm. writing this whole long thing, and they had to admit they were put in the scene. They were there like they saw me squish. The, the ointment over my hands and they, right, they felt right. me turn her sandpapery skin into the slick back of a whale. Yes. They felt that. They saw that, which right. for me is about transporting you. So if a child can somehow weave this tale about the idea of like eating human brain meat and she can t- actually capture the fact that it tastes like bone marrow, which is what I imagine it tastes like, mm. or some kind of fat. Kind of like rich fat taste.
1: Congealed fat, yeah.
0: Good for her. Or she's just the daughter of fucking Anthony Bourdain.
1: Well, I don't think that she is the daughter of Anthony Bourdain. RIP, always love Anthony Bourdain. Um, she does seem like someone who helped uh, murder multiple people and then eat them. Uh, granted, again, she is 12 years old. Is this um, true, though? Do we know if she actually did help murder? It seems like it's true. It seems like it's true. Um, Hmm. Another mother at the school said, now my child is afraid of talking to this girl at school. I understand why that would be the case. She sounds like she may have the same personality as the young girl from the film Hereditary. Quite creepy, sort of ominous. And that's the thing when you hang out with kids. You look into the eyes of a child And you can tell, like, there is an evil component. Like, I know it's like, wow, the future is wide open. Look at this. But there's also a component where it's like, they don't know if you're, if they don't even care if you're alive or dead. They don't even know what either of those concepts are. So they, like, children also look like they could stab you at any time if they don't get exactly what they want, exactly when they need it.
0: Because they're learning.
1: Because they're learning. And
0: that's a part of, all of a sudden, you know, on some level... Right. They are uh, they are very moldable and you could teach a child to be a professional killer like in Leon, the professional
1: like you can do that. Absolutely. You get a
0: child onto that wavelength, which is why children are so absolutely frightening.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, but to that point, the orphanage director Antoni- Antonina, and I won't even pretend to pronounce her last name. It's a lot of T's and S's and B's um, called Valeria Val- Valeria Valeria. An absolute normal child with no deviations. However, Russian Investigator Committee officials told the newspaper the young girl took part in this massacre. So mm-hmm. there you go. There it is. Kind well, she's of, also twelve, you know. She's twelve. She's got a lot of time to change, and uh, maybe at some point this will just make her like goth princess of Russia, it and really will. she'll be like the next um, pussy riot, and everyone would be like, "This chick is super dope." And if you are gonna eat and kill people, and you don't spend the rest of your life in prison you gotta be below the age of 12 like that's just the only time you could ever do that in life so technically i guess if you're going to do it she did it at the right time
0: yeah because um, then you can grow out of it you can grow out of the lasting effects Yes, or uh you become solidified with it and you're super into it or you become a, uh, a gourmet and you yep. become a chef because you start to fall in love with the flavor
1: palette of organ meats. Could could be. Nonetheless, the girl went through a lot of, uh, I can't even imagine there, that, that 22-year-old schmuck. I didn't say how he died in prison. He was only 22 years old, so I don't know. Maybe he got his ass kicked and they just bludgeoned him to death the way that they killed uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. Really have no idea. But yeah, I think that's,
0: that is the true criminal in the story, is this dude. Uh this uh, story, I think, is interesting that I, uh, I did not realize it was connected to Scientology, um, but it is. Oh. Hundreds quarantined on a cruise ship in St. Lucia because of a measles infection. Health officials, health officials on the Caribbean island of St. Lucia?
1: St. Lucia? Yeah. I think maybe St. Lucia. I'll go with Lu- I like Lucia better than St. Lucia. It might be St. Lucia. Yeah, it could be. I like both, Kissel. Yeah, whatever. Sure. However They've it's qu- pronounced, it's just fine with me, I'm sure. They
0: quarantine a cruise ship, and cruise ships are already
1: just floating Ugh. diarrhea clouds. It's all a bathroom. It is a It is a like bathroom that. on the sea. It does have some beds and a buffet, but That's it's mostly just dookie.
0: That's why you keep drinking. You have so to. So you forget.
1: Yes. Yes. Um, they
0: discovered a case of measles on the board. Mm-hmm. Authorities confirmed the case Tuesday morning, said Merlene Frederick James, St. Lucia's chief medical officer. The vessel was locked down later that day, an attempt to stymie any potential spread of the highly contagious disease mm-hmm. that is sickening people in the United States at a record pace, fueled by anti-vaccination misinformation. No yeah. one is allowed to leave the ship. Frederick James said it in a statement, because of the risk of potential infection, not just from the confirmed measles case, but from other persons who may be on the boat at a time, we thought it prudent to make a decision not to allow anyone to disembark. So right. they're just stuck on this ship.
1: They gotta but, be. So, this is, I talked about this a little bit on and top head as well. It's like, it seems as if there is a, you got hardcore, you know, religious types, cultist types uh, that aren't uh, anti-vaxxers, that are anti-vaxxers, then you got hippity-dippity, types in like your your neck of the woods uh, in Los Angeles. I wonder if Scientology, they must have a large contingency of people. Obviously, they're against modern medicine in a lot of ways. They're against psychology, against therapy. There must be a large contingent of Scientologists who are anti-vaxxers. And if you have not been vaccinated, please, God, just go to Walgreens or something. Just get vaccinated. We don't need to have the mumps coming back here. I say you know what if you don't get vaccinated then I guess that you just get what you deserve. No but then they <laughs> you know, give it to us then they I'm spread vaccinated. it to us. No I know but it can still it's it's just better if no one else has measles. I don't know why we're coming out with the 1900s um, epidemics again it's because um, we were dangerously
0: because is- th- at some point in our in the recent years we were dangerously close to progress and the old school suicidal impulse of, of human race kicked back for some reason which is why we're at where we're at right now
1: very good well that's uh, you know we don't need to uh, no need to uh, rebel against modern medicine because we're not still stoning witches now health officials which I think is interesting so they
0: they they had basically quarantined this boat they said nobody can get off it but they specifically were not identifying what this boat was and so finally one of the coast guard told nbc that the vessel is which is fucking one of the the diamond of sea org the 440 foot boat owned by the church of scientology yeah now the obviously scientology is no one's responding to a request for comment uh, but Free winds to them is a very, very special place for a Scientologist. Okay. Uh, they believe that boarding the ship is one of the most significant spiritual accomplishments of their lifetime. Uh, you could <laughs> see they have a tour of it. It's a carnival ve-
1: cruise.
0: they what do you on, mean? on a YouTube tour. It's very, very interesting. They they, they have they call it a distraction-free environment for ministering the highest level of spiritual counseling available in the Scientology religion. It's absolutely impeccable. It is incomparable.
1: But any. Hold on, it's a, it's a distraction free environment. You're in the yes. middle of the ocean every time anyone would be free. speaking to me, I would be like, you know, we're also in the middle of the ocean right now. This thing can go down at any time. That's an ultimate distraction. The fear of drowning. I don't think that I could actually really focus or meditate too intensely with uh, the fear of possible drowning, like the Titanic. Uh, minus, you know, uh, having a wonderful love affair. This is the speak this
0: your anxiety speaking. Some people in the middle of the ocean they find nothing but tranquility. Not me as well. I wanna throw a chair at it. Because just I just f- because I feel like the ocean's lying to us. Oh your surface is calm, but what about underneath? What is that underneath? It's all full of plastic. You just have a bunch of old computer screens down there or just a bunch cool. of water bottles. It's disgusting. Plus- So the idea is that you go on this boat and it's supposed to be the most beautiful spiritual experience in the world. And then according to one of the Scientology leaders, John Carmichael, he said it's very interesting because Scientology does not have official rules regarding vaccinations. Scientologists, they're pretty independent people, says John. Though I will say this. They tend to do a little more research perhaps, on the effect of various medical procedures or whatever. They make their own decisions. But those aren't decisions that the church tries to influence in any way.
1: Wait a second. How That is impossible. You cannot be a member of a cult, even Scientology, which is a large cult, still a cult, and then still be an independent thinker, or an independent person. It's totally counterintuitive. It's like when you see the biker gangs that are just called like the lone wolves. Obviously with no understanding of what the word lone means. You're um, being ignorant. I don't think. You're ignorant. I don't, think, don't, that, I mean, I don't ignorant. think that they are the most free-thinking people, the Scientologists. But anyway.
0: No, you don't get it, man. They're actually what? freer than you, you How fucking How are they freer than
1: me? They're dying you of measles on a, in the middle of the You're ocean. than oh you, buddy. Oh, my God. Well, measles have sickened more than 700 people in 22 states. And evidently in, uh, in California, as I was mentioning, uh, hen- hundreds of moviegoers at the showing of Avengers Endgame also broke out and they were exposed to measles um, because just one woman was infectious. So that's kind of an appropriate it- name.
0: It was really brave for Marvel Fox Disney. I don't know what the conglomerate of the company that owns it anymore. They then also gave out vaccinations for the cure. They first gave everybody measles. Uh-huh. And then they cured them of the measles.
1: Wow. Just keep
0: them hooked into the brands. Gotta see the next movie. Oh, you got me oh, you came to see Avengers Endgame, you got measles. Funny. Right. Now you gotta come see Thor Four because we got the cure for measles.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we'll also uh introduce you to our friend polio, which will be really great. <laughs> Keep him coming back. Get him what sick some kind of, and uh, cure Polio,
0: him. what is that, some kind of uh, fat Italian guy?
1: <laughs> Hello. Man, they said we lost it, but then there you go. You found it once again. Hello. I'll never lose it because I'll never fucking give it up. There it is. Like the, uh, like the uh, Infinity Stone. Very good. Thank you. Wow. No. Do you,
0: have you seen The Avengers?
1: I am up to date. we've talked about this last week. I have not watched Endgame yet. I like the Marvel films. I like the Marvel ones. I think they're fun. Speaking of heroes, let's hit the hero of the week. Music. Recordings of number stations. I love listening to them. And it is, it can be a This hero, we talked about animals a lot today, Henry. Remember when you started the show being a seal? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that was it give me that bitch give me that bitch. okay you also kind of sound like a dog and that brings us to I our know. hero of the week a hero rescue pup credited with saving three children from being abducted in the middle of the night a Pennsylvania family is crediting their recently adopted four year old rescue dog his name is Edgar with helping thwart <laughs> an alleged child abduction attempt at their home Tom Lambert, dude's about 40 years old, um, said that Edgar, he he is a uh, Treen Walker coonhound, recently frightened a man, police believe, to be in his 20s, a dude named Thomas DeWald, away from their home in the middle of the night. DeWald was accused of abducting another child three days earlier before allegedly stuffing her in a wooden trunk at his grandmother's house before the girl escaped. This guy wanted to kidnap... Three children. As someone, again, who just hung out with five children, if you're a kidnapper, you are way, way over your head. (laughs) <laughs> with three children, I mean, don't you think? Are You saying that it's the worst form of the m- movie adventures
0: in babysitting—kind of kidnapping a bunch of children and selling them to the CIA, uh,
1: pedophile pornography rings. Maybe I mean, but what if? Like, this guy is—he's twenty years old. He obviously doesn't have parental instincts, and I know he just wants to probably hurt these children and kill them. Um, yes. But it just seems like—yeah, I don't kids- think he's. I, yeah, I don't think he's taking them to fucking
0: Carvel. I don't, don't know. Taking everybody picking them up and taking them to fucking Kennywood. No. I think that he is taking. Making them to systematically murder them, but if you look at a tree walking coon hound, if you look at this tree Cute. tree. Treeing Walker Coonhound. These dogs. It's a beautiful dog.
1: Beautiful dog. Yeah, gorgeous, gorgeous dog. Um, so it was his growl howl. That's what Lambert said. Again, that's uh, the uh, the father here. It was his growl howl that uh, that bothered the intruder. He said, "Quote: It was obvious he was really upset." And as soon as I got him to quit barking, I heard sounds of someone going down the stairs. That is honestly, this is that's the. That's the ultimate nightmare, right? Someone's in your house, you hear the sounds of someone going down the stairs, you gotta grab your hammer, you gotta grab your screwdriver, you gotta grab anything you can to protect yourself. Lambert said he went downstairs to check on the noise on April 28th when he discovered that the kitchen window and door had been open. Uh, He told the paper that he immediately ran back upstairs to check on his three young daughters who were asleep in their beds. Uh, The dog started barking and woke up the homeowner and scared away DeWald. That dog potentially saved the little girl's life. So Edgar, you are this week's hero. Of the week. What, a, I what love a dog. Dog
0: heroes. I love animal heroes, man. But I feel like this is a why I'm trying That's why I keep my whip in the room now.
1: Yeah, you I have well, my that's whip good. and I'm
0: not even talking because I, we don't like pain in our in our bedroom. But I like the having to whip just in case somebody comes in there and it's like and I swing it all around. And I'm not the most precise whipper, but if you're within 10 feet of me, I can hurt you with it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a whip is a great weapon to have by the bad. Um, I mean, I just saw an infomercial a couple of days ago for the shotgun thing, like a shotgun holder that you can literally put in your, like, between Seriously? your box spring and your bed, and it holds your shotgun. That's
0: fucking sweet.
1: Well, I think you're just gonna end up shooting your kid as they enter your room to try to cuddle with you because they had a bad dream. But nonetheless, uh, that's why you, I don't have kids. You gotta protect yourself. Get a dog. Get a dog. Get a
0: dog because Wendy just, she doesn't do anything. She'll wake up sometimes in the middle of the night to try to get us, let her, get her like, make her walk out. Like, we have to go, like, let her out for a second. Yep. Absolutely. But that's not too bad.
1: It's cute. And I never think she's here to kill us. No, never. And Chihuahuas. I mean, Chihuahuas will save the life. This is according, again, to the dad. He said, without, without Edgar genuinely, who knows whether our daughters would be here right now. Our family was 100% rescued by our dog that we rescued. So that's a good reminder. Get out there. Go to the shelters. Many, many potential hero dogs await the castle of their own, and they will protect Seriously. their family. They are great.
0: Seriously. And also, we were talking about this a little bit before we were recording. There's something about the small dogs, too. Oh, yeah. Small oh, yeah. dogs are little fucking terrors. I've they watched are. Wendy change. Wendy will change into this. She has this crazy scream that she can let out.
1: I know. Very, very scary. And it seems to come out of nowhere. It just seems to come out of nowhere with these, uh, with these little guys. But they are the best. Um, I've been trying to train her where I can lift her up like a javelin
0: and throw her at (laughs) him.
1: That would be fucking sweet. Be cool if that was like the last, the last thing an intruder sees is just Wendy, like a little (laughs) spike-looking dog, (laughs) just like attached to its neck as he runs, runs around in circles as he slowly bleeds out from his veins. That's so fucking dope cool carotid carotid artery that's what you want to get when you got to have Wendy sniff a lot of arteries or something and then she'll know nowhere to go i don't know
0: i got to put a knife on her head
1: yeah that's a good idea <laughs> that would be fucking <laughs> sweet. Um, all right well <laughs> right? do we have do we have anything else Are we, i think that i think that's basically oh I, there's a
0: couple i want to say i've received like we always do receive incredible letters yeah, from of course, the, of course. the fans uh, people who listen I got a couple. One was a. a the, the thing, what I do like about these types of uh, letters is that I'm never allowed to read the exact information that's put into the letters. Right. Because it's secret and mm. I'm not allowed to reveal the name of the people who wrote the content. But I had at least three emails from people. That worked for the US Navy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who've done night watch, that have done various levels of uh, uh, of position within the US Navy. And each one of them said if you ask any one of us who's done any sort of night work on a uh, ship or anywhere where we are, anywhere out, like on a base, any of this kind of stuff, we've all seen shit in the yeah, sky. We've awesome. all seen stuff. They're so excited about the change in policy of the US Navy. I received, I love stuff like this. I received a postcard that just said, look up US Navy patent US 10144532B2. Okay. And when I looked it up, and there's a lot of people don't know whether or not this is patent trolling or not, but it is a US patent that was made that is a craft using an inertial. Mass reduction device comprises of an inner resonant cavity wall, an outer resonant cavity, and microwave emitters. Essentially, if you read this patent, it is a theoretical design to the back engineering of a UFO. Cool. And the technology seen in UFO. It is, I love this kind of shit. If you have more of this information, yeah. instead, if there's anybody from the U.S. Navy that wants to actually go on the record with a story, I would love to talk about it on the show because you guys seem to have a lot of these stories. Absolutely. People saying they see porcelain objects in the sky, discs, like we are in the middle of fucking disclosure, dude. And I'm just, ooh, ooh. I'm Uh fucking rock hard for it.
1: Yes, indeed. Well, I don't know about rock hard. Give me
0: those stories. These
1: are like clap emojis. Give
0: me those stories. A
1: a hard clay. You're like a hard clay hard, which I think is great. No, Um, no, man. I'm like a hard penis hard. Okay. Well, yes, please do. And let us know if you have those stories. Henry and I would love to interview you on our uh, Patreon interview series. If you have not had a chance to give to our Patreon, please do. I think it's just the $5 a month level. Uh, Last week, Henry and I had a chance to interview John Douglas. You might know him from that famous show called Mindhunters. He's also a a many time over author, really fascinating guy. So hopefully you can enjoy that. And if you are in the military or... Just, yeah, I mean, I think focusing on people in the military here is probably the way to go. Uh, let us know get, uh, if you do want to come on uh, for our Patreon interview series. If you do have some stories to tell, we would love to hear your stories um, because you guys are all on the front lines of the UFO information war. So that's really awesome. Yeah, you're awesome. the brave ones.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, you know, everyone. Well, thank yeah, you so much Yeah, I guess that's how listening. it is, man. Live every day, man. Live live every day like you're going to get Free cookies at the mall Ooh. if you live. Can they be Otis die, Spunkmeyer? Whatever fuck it is you want it to be. Okay. okay, I'm Otis Spunkmeyer. That's what it could be. Whatever you want. Okay, All right? All just right. live like you're excited for something. Okay. for once, right? Try to try to try to get it up this week for life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, live, love, love your. Uh, you know what's important to, to give love to? The people that do. The everyday things for you yeah. that you forget about. Your mailman. Mm-hmm. You see your mailman or mailwoman. You like the fact that they deliver your mail. Give them a give them a joint, or um, give well, them a little kiss. Uh, they, they Ask can't. them if they well, want to kiss. I,
1: I don't think either of those would be. Particularly something that they would desire, but
0: give them a flower if you're a, a woman that's wandered in from the highway. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Give a gift to these people. The your barista that you see every day. Sure. The guy selling you your halal meat every day. Sure. Give him. Give him a. a, a give him a kiss again. No, kiss just give these him. Uh, what about money? Just give them 20 just throw twenty bucks. Some people don't have money, but you know what we all got? Lips. Unless all you're one right. of those poor people who lost their lips to cancer, and then you are a, a laughing, screaming skull. And then I don't know what to say. Then give them a hug. Give them a hug. Give them a hug. Them a hug. I like um, that. I, give these people and laugh. Ah, <laughs> just laugh once, because sometimes you have to... Sometimes, I don't know if I've said this before. Sometimes you got to fake it. You do. Before you feel it. Sometimes you got to well, get up and you got to go... Ah, before the first real laugh comes.
1: It is mildly psychotic to do that, but yes, absolutely. Uh, it's mild.
0: So, you know what else it's mildly psychotic to do? It's mildly psychotic to try to make your life better, but you gotta be Kissel. Sometimes I you know. gotta be mildly
1: psychotic
0: I to make it in this life. You see how I'm gesturing at you with this screwdriver?
1: I do. I actually do, and it is scary, and I'm happy you're an entire country away from me. Um, yep. Okay, everyone. Thank you all so much for listening. We love you, check out Abe Lincoln's Top Hat uh, this Thursday. I think the show will probably come out on Friday, but I got Ken Bone on, and we're gonna talk about uh, his experience with Bill You're Moore. you fucking Ken Bone on? <laughs> yeah. It's gonna be sweet. Did He's... you
0: just fucking throw a water balloon at him, or
1: did you talk to him? <laughs> Oh, he's coming on on Thursday. <laughs> That's fucking yeah. Pants him. Pants <laughs> yeah. him and shoot. Videotape it. The, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, can't wait. Um, all right, everyone. Thank you all Hail so sing. much for listening. Hail yourselves. Hail me. I'm a Hey, hey, hey.
0: You hey. at the hey. You doing good. You're doing good. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Legend has it, underneath the
1: NJM insurance offices lies a mysterious room of long-forgotten moldy mascot memorabilia. Often pitched by ad agencies, always rejected by NJM. Is it real? We may never know. But what is real is NJM's dedication to doing what's right for their customers. Astoundingly, they're proud to put policyholders first. No jingles or mascots, just great insurance. Learn more at NJM.com. McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburger. Today's review, the hotter, juicier, classic burgers. Mr. Hamburglar. Rubble, rubble. He said, of all the McDonald's burgers I've ever hamburgled, these are the hottest, juiciest, and tastiest. Bravo. Hurry in and enjoy one of our 350 bundles like a daily double and small fries for a limited time. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any of the offer compared to the prior classic burgers. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.